When I won this belt at Anarchy Rules, I made a promise to be a fighting champion. And God damn it, that's what I've done. And tonight, this belt's not just in jeopardy, it's in double jeopardy. And just incredible, if I have to walk through you, that's just fine. Because I did it at Anarchy Rules, and I'll do it again. Steve Carino, Sandman, if I have to walk through you too, that's just fine. Because if I have to, I'll walk through every single person in this locker room tonight, in one night, all at the same time, whatever it takes, because I am the ECW Heavyweight Champion of the World! All the hype, all the publicity, the legacy of the November to remember. First time ever. Double Jeopardy match and the ECW World Heavyweight title is coming home to me! ECW Heavyweight title has come in him just incredible because he has the greatest motivation. This is his motivation and he doesn't get this until he gets that belt back around his waist. Mm. And when he gets that belt back around his waist, he's going to have a whole new meaning to home sweet. Three-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion, I am the Sandman, the King of Extreme, the Hardcore Icon, and tonight I make it the fourth because I'm politically incorrect and damn proud of it. Schlegan? Steve, let's just do the promo. Jack, oh, I hate women. Steve, stay focused. Let's just do the promo. Alright, you know your part? My part? Yeah. My part's this. I spot. That's my part. And you do it so well. Alright, ready? Three, two, one. Tonight, Steve Carino's gonna be the ECW. Yeah, Steve, Steve, Remember that, Dawn. It's when I win the belt. Yeah. Because Sandman, I'm gonna go through you, and the winner of Justin versus Jerry better be ready because I'm determined to become the ECW World Heavyweight Champion and put my name in the history books of all the great champions that there's ever been. Tonight, I will not only be the king of old school, I will be the king of the new era, and I'm gonna be the leader of the extreme. Tonight is Steve Carino's night to become the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. That was perfect. Thank you, Steve. Mm. Is that, that all right perfect. with you, Dawn? It was perfect. It was very, very good. And you know what? Tonight, after you win everything, it's gonna be wonderful. What the fuck? Don't worry about him. What about me and you? Yeah. Right. Hi, Spot. Hi, Spot.
I'm Joey Styles. And well, 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 Chicago, Illinois, where the beer flows like wine and the women have all been mine. Because I'll shoot it at their chest, I'll spray it at their breast, but when I can let loose in their face, that's when I like it best. At the Odium in Chicago, Illinois, 100% man, so ditch your boy. I spread nothing but jubilation and joy because I inspect her gadget and tickle her toy. Gertner. Again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, it's been a long time, my friend, but it's glad to be together again with you to finally review November to Remember 2000. I feel like we uh, planned on this review about two months ago, and now we're finally finally getting to it. So, how have you been, my friend? Well, I was pretty sick. Uh, that's what's kind of put us behind is I got a uh, walking pneumonia and, and some other things respiratory wise that put me in a pretty sick place for a couple of weeks easy. And it's took a while to battle back from it. In addition to that, I've been having a lot of uh, stuff go on. I was at a friend's wedding in Atlanta a few weeks ago. I was in uh, Cincinnati a few weeks ago. I was in New Orleans a few weeks ago. Uh, interviewing for jobs, uh, trying to get out of my uh, real jobs, trying to go to different uh, media companies. Uh, didn't end up taking any offers, but uh, so I've been kind of busy as well the last uh, month or two. So um, both of us uh, just very busy, even though uh, when I'm not, people uh, sometimes tell me, you're not really that busy, but you you really don't know how how much it's time consuming it's not like i'm out digging ditches but it is time consuming absolutely yeah. it really is well and also uh, you I and i work completely different schedules we work uh odd hours uh so it's difficult to get together to begin with and then so you add everything else in and it's just um like i said at the start of this year i think on our first podcast we did this year you know it's it's sort of just a We'll we'll record them when we when we have the, the chance, and that's the best we can do. Yeah, yeah, because things uh, things have just happened with last year carrying over into this year that um, the world's just kicking everybody in the nuts, and uh, got everything kind of up in the air. And like I said, I was 
extremely sick <laughs> and uh you were handling your stuff and so it was just kind of hard to be able to get together and do it we are we are here and i'm going to say it just because it's going to piss so many people off there is a new gcw champion matt fucking cardoza thank god i'd be matt cardona uh zach Ryder, formerly of the wwe he uh, won the belt, and people were, were were very upset and threw a lot of garbage at the ring. But at the same time, that's sort of his character, is that he's uh, still pretending that he's the mainstream wrestling star that he never was. Uh, but he that's, that's the character that he's playing, and um, the reaction that he got from the GCW crowd of garbage being thrown at him was was good heat so he's doing a great job and it also means that nick gage is in aew which was the big news event uh the week that we're recording um well there's a lot of aew news actually there was uh two rumored uh signings and then there was one actual signing which was nick gage uh debuting on dynamite but also in addition to nick gage debuting on dynamite uh, the rumor that uh, seems to crop up about uh, every year of a CM Punk return. Um, so if they're going to do that, I would expect that to happen at All Out in Chicago, if if that does happen. But much like when Stone Cold Steve Austin retired, these things, I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. It's really one of those things that uh, just comes around all the time and never materializes. And... Uh, if it does, it does, and if it doesn't, then I'll just chalk it up to another um, false rumor because that that's what happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin up until basically WrestleMania in Dallas, WrestleMania 32. So years after Steve Austin retired, it was always, oh, he, he might come back, he might come back, and that was pretty much the end of it when he didn't do Dallas. And then also the uh, the big news that uh, Daniel Bryan, or I guess he'll be going as his real name, Bryan Danielson, uh, may have signed a contract with AEW. His WWE contract is up, so he is not employed. Well, there are no employees. He's not contracted to the WWE uh, at the moment. So there's some, I think there's more truth behind that rumor um, so a lot of AEW news are gearing up for their second uh, weekly show. Uh, they've been doing great numbers on Dynamite, so a lot happening in AEW. And, of course, the uh, Nick Gage signing forced uh, GCW to give their belt to Matt Cardona, who is now the hardcore king, uh, Zack Ryder, as, as we all predicted many, many years ago. Um, we knew it all along. Definitely. Gonna have to cut news short because uh, I'm in the studio of uh, one of my jobs this week, and I, I don't have a lot of studio time, so I gotta cut news short again. And of course, we picked this pay per view, or I did, uh, to honor the life of New Jack, uh, Jerome Young, who had passed away. And I've already done an RWP extra, and I did the Dark Side of the Ring episode, uh, and and kind of gave my thoughts on New Jack. But uh, if you'd like to. Uh, Give your thoughts on New Jack. The floor is yours now, my friend. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jerome Young was just a really cool guy and uh, someone that I actually was close with uh, when it came to talking wrestling and at least talking every couple of weeks to uh, 
online or whatever with and uh run into a show here and there but not many shows with him but uh he was just he was a really awesome guy he started his career in atlanta and uh, he uh started his wrestling career as a whole in uh ngwa north georgia wrestling alliance which is something that myself and uh luscious luke patterson and uh keith arden and john arden are uh to this day still running and keep trying to keep that history alive uh he was a former ngwa champion and believed to be that was his first title he ever held in wrestling and so there's a very unique crossover there when it came to the uh the independent circuit of him moving up into what he became and so um that that's cool and and we me and him discussed that a lot is the fact that uh, the four of us are working so hard to keep uh North Georgia Wrestling Alliance alive and going and keep the history of what is the nonstop oldest wrestling show uh in Georgia it hasn't uh, stopped and started, stopped and started, stopped and started, um, like others has. So, uh, but yeah, that was our big connection there. And uh, he really appreciated what we were trying to do and accomplish. And, you know, we had some big stuff planned with him uh, in in the very near future, actually, uh, as close as next month, even before he got extremely sick and uh this just kind of hit all at once he was just i mean he was an a true professional who was old school kayfabe and for me i respect that more than anything and just i mean what else can you say except for that that he's just a all-around great guy so uh just uh he's gonna be missed and and I'm going to miss being able to talk to him and message him every couple of weeks whenever he's not able to sleep because he's you know got insomnia and I, I'm up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep and so me and him are talking and so uh, yeah well um, I I've already kind of shared my thoughts on him in, in the New Jack uh, RWP Extra episode that I did and I'll disagree with you that he was a true professional in the sense that um, he hurt a lot of people in the ring he was he operated under the influence in the ring a lot of times um but at the same time uh what i respected about him was that like you said uh his adherence to kayfabe his commitment to his character you don't know where the story of jerome young begins and where the story of new you it's hard to tell fact from fiction and and know where the lines are blurred and also uh, the fact that he is so that he is so honest uh, about um, his drug use, the way that he approached the ring, the way that he approached uh, his mentality um, towards wrestling, and for him, it wasn't uh, really, you know, in pro wrestling, the the general idea is that two competitors, it's an exhibition where the guys don't get hurt, but the new Jack character is not there to do that. He is there to hurt you. And he stuck to that plan. 100%. He was there. 
He loved violence, but then at the same time, you know, away from the ring, a very charismatic guy in all of his shoot interviews, a guy that was uh, pretty funny, um, even in Beyond the Mat, in that scene when the the, the director takes him and, and to like an acting firm and they're like, you know, we don't see you as Denzel, but you could be Denzel's friend. He had a lot of talent um, outside yeah. of the ring, a lot of personality, a very colorful character, and it's sort of like the 2000s equivalent of um, like a Dusty Rhodes where you're not necessarily a great ring technician, but at the same time, you are doing you're doing so much character work that none of that really matters because you're cutting these hysterical and just crazy promos where you're thanking OJ for killing the white people and you're you're going in there and you're just and you're doing these big dives and you're not really and you're doing plunder brawls but at this and you're wrestling while rap music is playing and you're chucking Vic Grimes off off a scaffold and but you're not you know it's not like he was uh, you know Bret Hart in the ring or anything but you need and I'm not saying you need violent characters like New Jack, but you need characters like New Jack. I, I guess a, an equivalent, and I'm not just saying this because they're both African-American or whatever, but like a PG version of today, I guess the best comparison I could make is like an R-Truth, you know, like somebody that's got a lot of personality, a lot of character, but I'm not clamoring to see R-Truth hop in the ring and, and do ring work, you know, at this, at this point. You can't build a whole locker room of Bret Hart. Yes, technical wrestling, five-star matches every single night. Right, you need, you, need, you need people like The Miz, you need people like R-Truth, and those are really PG watered-down versions, but for, like, 90s extreme, the way wrestling was in the 90s, New Jack was a perfect character. Um, I guess, you know, like a a good comparison to attitude era WWF is like sort of like a Val Venus, you know, he's not phenomenal in the ring, but he's doing all these provocative storylines and stuff and the fans loved him and he, he got over and that's sort of, sort of how new Jack did as far as with hardcore wrestling and stuff too. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, new Jack, Jerome Young, he passed away. And that's why we we chose November to remember 2000 to honor him. But since then, we've had two other wrestlers pass away. And I also did a, a, an RWP extra on Del Wilkes, the Patriot, who passed away at the age of 59 from a heart attack. Um, but quickly, your thoughts on uh, the Patriot, Del Wilkes. Uh, a very solid wrestler that never got a chance. I enjoyed his work in WCW when he was teaming with a very young uh, Buff Bagwell, I enjoyed his work for Vince, and it's like he showed up, did one gigantic main event show against Bret Hart and the whole anti-American American deal, and then went down to middle to low card, uh, just like Vader. I mean, showed up great right out of the gate. Vince didn't have shit for him after that one pay-per-view, and he fell down. Just really sucked because I, I considered him to be a pretty pretty good wrestler. 
I thought he was pretty good as a, he was mainly a tag team specialist, a lot like New Jack in that sense that, I mean, even though New Jack, uh, charisma way more than Mustafa in the gangsters. I mean, there's, there's like, it's not even close, but, uh, Del Wilkes spent a lot of, he was a great college athlete, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, all American, um, didn't make it into the NFL, and like a lot of guys that didn't make it into the NFL, went into pro wrestling, uh, but was mainly a tag team specialist, and I think that's sort of what hurt him um, going forward is that he was he never really broke out. He was never the breakout star of a tag team. He was just he was a guy that just wanted to work in tag teams, and then when he finally did get um, his moment of glory at Ground Zero in '97 against Brett, which I which I reviewed. It just wasn't a very strong showing. But again, you're in there. the The timing was was really off for him. Uh, like uh, just you know, time wise, it's Attitude Era. Brett and Sean hate each other. Sean actually headlined that pay per view, even though Brett was champion. So Brett's in there working pissed off. Because uh, Brett can usually get good matches out of less than stellar single singles wrestlers. I mean, Brett's gotten great matches out of Kevin Nash and and other people. I mean, Brett's gotten great matches out of a lot of people, but for whatever reason that night, I they just they didn't have it. And I think part of that is because Del Wilkes was just he was used to tag team wrestling, and that, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, he did have some success over in Japan, but also that was all uh, tag team wrestling too. I would suggest for anybody that wants to hear a little bit more about Del Wilkes to check out the podcast he did with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which I included a clip uh, in the episode I did uh, about the Patriots. Um, his drug use stories are just wild. Like uh, there's, he's telling Steve Austin about. Uh, one of his wives, like he's going down the road, like heading to an airport to like go to Japan or something, but he needs to like shoot himself up with steroids and he does it in the car. Like as they're going down the freeway, he like drops his pants and like shoots himself up and like he like hit hit a vein or something. And so blood's like flying out of his ass and like, and at that point his wife is like, okay. You know, this this is you. This is out of control. You are out of control. There was, uh, I mean, and he even details his drug abuse because, I mean, uh, going back to his college football days, which not a lot of people really acknowledge that. You know, it wasn't just in pro wrestling where where drug abuse was prevalent, but uh, he started doing that stuff in college and um, just kept going through. Had a big cocaine habit. Uh, had a lot big, big pill habit and did some time for uh, prescription fraud and that happens to a lot of pro wrestlers. I don't think that's what did him in as far as uh, his his wrestling career went. I, I just think that he was sort of you know I, I hate to make the comparison to Road Warrior Animal because Road Warrior Animal was so much more over than Del Wilkes, uh, but that's because the gimmick and everything else and the not selling. But he was sort of that part of the tag team where he was sort of the muscle and not the showcase. He was the Jim Neidhart, the Marty Jannetty, where the other guy is the showcase and he's sort of there for support. And it's a shame he didn't have a longer run in the WWF. But also, um, 
And they were short on baby faces at the time, so it's weird that they didn't have anything else for him. But again, this this was at the time when the shades of gray, I guess you could say, where you know people DX were technically sort of were becoming faces, where bad guys were good guys, and uh, you know a guy walking out there with the American flag and an, an eagle mask and all this stuff. It's just. Um, it just feels a little dated in 97, 98. So I don't, I don't know how much mileage he would have gotten out of that. But uh, following wrestling, he had a very successful career as a car salesman in South Carolina. And, um, yeah, passed away. Heart attack, just like New Jack, only uh, at the age of basically at the same age. I think they were both about 58, 59. I mean, it's just uh, that's very young. And it's unfortunate, but when you um, – steroid abuse and stuff like that uh, it weakens your muscles and your heart is a muscle and um it's going to catch up to you someday and um unfortunately that's that's the case here i think it's a really weird footnote in, in that period of wwf because he was he was there one minute and then gone and nothing ever spoken of him again other than his theme song of course ending up as kurt angle's theme song so uh, yeah, and then finally, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we lost Paul Orndorff, um, who I know you interacted with because he was at that show in in Rome, Georgia, a few years ago, and unrecognizable to me. Like you, I asked you, I said, uh, "Who's that guy?" Because all the wrestlers kept going up to him, and he did look like somebody, but I didn't know who he was because he had the mustache and. You know, he, he aged, I'm not going to say poorly, but he he aged, he aged uh, quite a bit from his Mr. Wonderful days. He had the, the arm with the atrophy and everything, and um, definitely a far cry from the, the 1980s Mr. Wonderful that we all remember, but uh, he passed away at the age of 71. What are your thoughts on Paul Orndorff? Uh well, that show actually, he uh, he, we were sitting at a table beside each other there to signing autographs and doing the whole thing, and he didn't he didn't have a marker, and so I gave him my marker, one of my markers to sign autographs with, and uh, that was my extent of a run in with uh, with him. But hey, um, that that few you know maybe minute and a half conversation was cool. He was a cool guy. Uh, I just told him, you know, here you are, sir. And, uh, you know, we talked for a split second about WCW days since we were practically in Atlanta. And uh, <clears throat> that was it. Nothing over the top. Uh, he would, uh, we carried on back and forth um, in between fans and stuff like that from our perspective tables. And, um, throughout the thing, but he, he was there for maybe two hours and left. Uh, so I, I didn't really have much of a run in with him as I have with others. Uh, but you talk about steroids, God almighty. I mean, chiseled out of stone, some Lex Luger kind of shit back in the eighties, a big part of, of how WrestleMania went down. And, uh, you can't deny what he and Piper and uh, Cowboy Bob Orton did to be able to get 
the heat they needed to make Mr. T look like a million bucks heading into make WrestleMania one. So, um, uh, Paul Orndorff was a big, a big part of, of getting, of Vince's roster, I guess is the best way to look at it. Um, moving up to moving forward into his WCW stuff. Uh, he did a lot behind the scenes all the way up till practically till they closed. Oh yeah. So, uh, I, big, big part of the power plant. Yeah. Which I was not, I knew he had to up to a certain point, but he was there practically until 2001 when they closed, he was there that long. And, um, I thought like 98, he, you know, he dipped out, but no, he was there for the, for the full ride practically. And, uh, just a cool guy, uh, a brilliant mind when it came to working fans. I mean, you can't, you can't do the stuff he's done and not understand psychology to the fullest extent. And, um, definitely left one hell of a footprint in professional wrestling. Yeah, he was a great heel. He, uh, of course, had a, a brief run uh, in WCW uh, with a tag team, pretty wonderful, and they actually traded belts with uh, the Patriot and uh, Marcus Bagwell. There, they had that. That was their most prominent feud. But yeah, his uh, he had a weightlifting accident with that arm, and yeah, the years of uh, steroid abuse and stuff. His arm never was the same and so it atrophied really badly and so he became a trainer at the power plant pretty much stayed there yeah you're, you're right until the end i mean even in uh the year 2000 he was part of uh the old age outlaws if you remember that one night um assembly there with uh terry funk and arn anderson and a couple others i think snooka might have been in it uh, it was uh, so yeah, he was definitely still around for a while. He was a he was a great heel in the WWF. Uh, great look, and yeah, um, unfortunately we can't really sit here and talk about a lot of great power plant graduates because you know outside of Goldberg, you can't really say you can't really name a lot of people that came through the power plant as you know huge successes. But he did at least try, you know, he was there, he was setting the framework for what Full Sail and and people like um, Shawn Michaels are doing now and and mentoring um, up-and-coming stars, so, and yeah, it's it's, it's sad to think about that that WrestleMania main event is now half gone, basically, like, it's, it's really depressing, I mean, 71, yeah, it's, for a wrestler, 71 is pretty good, but, you know, in overall... I mean, people are living longer, uh, despite what happened last year with the pandemic and everything. 71 is not very old, and he was uh, suffering from, like, dementia and uh, other ailments. He he was in poor health the last few years, and so it was uh, sad sad to see, um, yeah, this this legend uh, that that launched WrestleMania uh, go. And then finally... um, he hasn't passed away, but Terry Funk, uh, of course, we're uh, hoping for the best for him as there were stories about him being in uh, basically assisted living home, uh, suffering from dementia. And I mean, if you wrestled the way Terry Funk did, you probably it's amazing he didn't have any dementia problems until recently. Um, so um, 
Terry Funk in poor health. Uh, that's very sad news, and so we're hoping for the best for Terry Funk. And uh, that's pretty much uh, our news block. I hate to just bring it down with wrestlers that have passed away and stuff, and I know that there's been a lot of other wrestling news. Like, I mean, uh, the Thunderdome era is over. The WWE's back on the road. Uh, um, AEW's back on the road. We've had some NXT promotions. We've got Finn Balor back on SmackDown. We've got John Cena. The SummerSlam card is set. Goldberg's going to wrestle again for whatever reason against Lashley. There's been a lot going on in the world of pro wrestling, but I uh, just don't have time to touch on all that. And all that's available on the internet anyway. So uh, what do you need us for? I mean... Uh, we're, we're here to talk about old pay-per-views and that's what we'll do. We picked, uh, ECW's November to remember 2000. This took, yeah. And, uh, it nearly broke me. I just, I, (laughs) I hate burning picks on bad shows, but this was a bad show. I mean, I'll say that before we even get into it. This is November 5th, 2000. It's in Villa Park in Illinois in front of 4,800 ECW fans. And this was not a good time for ECW. They had just lost their TNN deal. Hardcore TV was coming to an end in in December. They were basically fucked at this point. All their talent, all their top talent had left. And um, we'd already reviewed their final pay-per-view which I think was Guilty as Charged 2001. I'm, I'm not sure what the title of it was, but we, we've we already reviewed the last one, and this is the second to last one, and boy, you, you can really tell it. It is just it, bad. It was rough. It was very, very rough. Yeah, and some of the storylines from the from the last ECW pay-per-view, the final one, are basically in this pay-per-view, so... I actually kind of know what's going on in the storyline here. Jerry Lynn, he opens the show. He has a promo. He promises to be a fighting champion. And that's what he's goddamn done because he's the ECW champion of the world. Uh, (laughs) Justin Credible says the title is coming home to him. Francine says he's motivated because he won't get laid until then. And then Sandman is smoking and says he's politically correct, incorrect, and proud of it. Okay. Um, and then Jack Victory and Steve Carino do a comedy promo. Uh, Don Marie walks in and says she wore a special outfit outfit for him, and he doesn't seem to care. Then Don says, what the fuck? As apparently Steve Carino doesn't care about ladies. He just cares about hanging out with Jack Victory. Joey and Joel again. Now, um, look, I'd, I understand you start your ECW pay. They only did four years worth of pay-per-views. But why is it that you have to start them off the same way every single time? Like, I think Paul Heyman's a genius. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for a lot of things. But I do not understand why you have to start every pay-per-view we turn on from ECW with the same fucking bit every single time. It's fine that you have Joel Gertner and he does his dirty promo or whatever, but then to have someone come in and attack him and replace him, I don't like that every single time. Like, it's fine the first few times it happens, but 
just you know let him do commentary one night i'd like to hear that i mean is that is that so crazy to want i don't know um well his promo tonight sort of sucks um i i hate i hate to give joel gertner a bad grade on his promos but tonight tonight sucked and you can you can hear it now and we open the show up with fucking simon diamond great you suck dick chance for simon diamond Shut the fuck up, Chance for Simon Diamond. Joel compliments Simon Diamond before calling him an undercard jamoke. Uh, then Joey Styles steps in and gets thrown out to go announce. Tommy Dreamer then runs in to break it up as Johnny Swinger joins in on the beating. Hits a running dropkick into a chair into Diamond before the Bad Street Boys, which are Christian York and Joey Matthews, who we've talked about before, they run in, and then the bell rings. They double powerbomb Swinger, hit stereo suicide dives out to Swinger and C.W. Anderson. They clean house with Diamond and Swinger. Diamond hits two Amigos, followed by a gut buster to Mercury. Swinger nearly gets a near fall out of it. Don Callis finally picks up the commentary mic, so that's our, our crew for the night is Cyrus and uh, Joey Styles. York comes in, hits a nice springboard reverse elbow to Diamond. York and Matthews toss Swinger out of the ring again. C.W. Anderson comes in. Spinebuster uh, gets delivered to him. York gets hit with the problem solver by Simon, Diamond, and Swinger. This is their double team move, and the match is over in 521. Considering C.W. Anderson had the best match on the final ECW pay-per-view, this was a waste of him. This was... Just bad. I don't really have much to say about it. Um, I never liked Simon Diamond. Uh, and the Bad Street Boys were 20 years old. So what can you really say about them? Very, very rough match. Uh, I, I like Joel Gertner, so I love the opening every single time. Uh I know it's the same thing every fucking show, but it's still great, and I loved it. I will always love it, so I can't argue with that fact. But, uh, yeah, man, that was a rough match. (laughs) That was a real rough match. Uh, Now, since C.W. Anderson ran out in typical ECW fashion, you see, if you run out to the ring, that means it's you're going to have a match. It's just the way it's going to be. And so he gets to face Kid Cash. Um, Kid Cash, who was really over with the crowd, but if you asked me to, like, if if you looked up indie wrestler in the dictionary, you'd see a picture of Kid Cash next to it. Um, he is just, he's great, but at the same, he is so bland. If he had the personality of a new Jack, he would be a... He would still he'd be a legend. He'd be going into the Hall of Fame here in a couple of years. But he's Kid Cash and he's a great wrestler, but he just don't let him open his mouth. Um so now it's a singles match between Kid Cash and CW Anderson. Cash hit with a hurricane run off uh the apron uh down to the concrete floor with CW. Cash throws a steel chair at his head for a near fall. Anderson hits a Ferris wheel suplex to Cash, who was coming off the top rope. They fuck up some sort of running move, and the crowd lets them know, uh, you fucked up, you fucked up. Anderson tells the crowd, fuck y'all. CW throws a chair at Cash's injured shoulder. Then he hits a stunner to it, 
wrenches it in an arm bar. Cash hits a glancing corkscrew senton from the top rope for a near fall. I mean, he barely, uh, I think he missed uh, C.W. Anderson by about three feet, but it, they still sold it. Um, C.W. hits a TKO to Cash for a near fall. A double clothesline takes both men down. They trade blows on the floor and up the up to their feet. Cash misses a moneymaker, but he hits a Hurricane Rana for a near fall. Anderson gets a delayed superplex to Cash for a near fall. Spinebuster to Cash only nets two for Anderson. Moneymaker gets blocked. He settles for a Tornado DDT. And this move, Patrick, not either of these men's finishers, gets the win. And it also looked like shit because C.W. Anderson did the Glenn Jacobs cane cell where he takes a DDT on his knee. And that is the end of the match. So Kid Cash is victorious here. What did you think of Kid Cash and C.W. Anderson? I like both of them, but I wasn't a fan of this match. Uh, I don't think that it was very good. I can't even I can't put it into words, to be honest with you. I just wasn't a fan of it. I didn't particularly care for it. Uh I know that both men are capable of a lot better. And uh yeah, I think that's the only way to try to explain it. Because I didn't I didn't like it. I never really liked when ECW would do this when they would have a guy run in on the previous match and then start another match. Again, this goes back to my original complaint about Gertner and, and Styles. You do the same shit every pay-per-view. Uh, just because a guy runs in doesn't mean he has to have a match. You know, I, and and just because Joel Gertner is out there doesn't mean someone has to come out there and tackle him. Like, uh, just because you have, like in the main event later, just because you have a triple threat, double jeopardy, whatever they called it, double jeopardy match, doesn't mean you have to pin the champion first. Like, it's cool that you do that, because it means there's going to be a new champion. You don't have to do it every single fucking time. And so it's kind of weird that I sing the praises all the time of Paul Heyman, but yet this pay-per-view reminds me, like I said before, they only did pay-per-view for four years, and you see so many repeated things over and over and over again. And I know there's only so many ways that you can reinvent the wheel, I guess. But you don't have to repeat them every single show. I didn't like, so I didn't like the, you know, why the reason for this match. The reason for this match? Oh, because these guys ran out. Okay. And then you're, there's, there's no feud to that. There's, there's no heat to that. It's just like, oh, this guy ran out. Let's have a match. Okay. So even if they put on a, a five star classic, People aren't going to remember it as well because it was just a match because, uh, well, it was a a match for the sake of having a match. Joey calls for a replay of the finish, and they actually show a, this is one thing I'll give them credit on, they showed a good angle of the finish to make it look like C.W. Anderson actually got hit with the DDT instead of taking it on his knee. The ECW theme finally plays. We're two matches into the show, finally time to roll the opening video. Another ECW trope where we open the show two or three matches in. Um, and man, this opening video, the ECW montage, so sad. And because all those guys that you 
remember from ECW are cut out of it. And so you have, you know, a highlight. Here's, oh, here's C.W. Anderson. Here's Simon Diamond. Here's all these people. And, you know, all the people that are missing. There's, you know, no Sabu, no, you know, no RVD. Like, all these, all these people that have, have let, no Taz. All these people that you think of when you think of ECW are not in this video. So this opening video, very sad. Also, another problem with this card, no Paul Heyman on the card again. And I realized that, yeah, maybe he was behind the scenes trying to save the company, trying to figure something out. Show up to your fucking show. You know how good you are on the microphone. You know how you can make things interesting. Show up to the show. Be on camera. Be a part of the show. And I know that they probably thought it, Paul probably thought it was played out because like, oh, you know, Bischoff and Vince did it or whatever. Well, you're more talented than them. So just do it. Um, but no, we we wouldn't get that. Instead, we got Louie dangerously later on. Hot Commodity is out next with Chris Hamrick. If you need a reminder of who Hot Commodity is, that's Julio De Niro, who took part in um, Heroes of Wrestling in that pay-per-view. And he's paired with Easy Money, who we saw at the very tail end of WCW. I believe he was on the last episode of Thunder that we watched. Um, and they're out with Chris Hamrick and they all look ridiculous. This is the worst group of gear. These guys look like idiots. Um, Danny Doring, who spent his entire paycheck on baby oil comes out next with roadkill. Uh, Danny, Danny Doring looks like he's the fourth member of too cool because he's got like sunglasses and all this shit. And, Again, bad booking here because Roadkill is the only over person out of all this group. So why not just put Roadkill in a singles match and just have him squash somebody? I don't know. Hamrick grabs the mic. Um, Hamrick said Kid Cash was supposed to be your partner, so it would be unfair for it to be three on two, but what the fuck? So Hot Commodity uh, have Chris Hamrick, and it's three on two in favor of the heels, and they just run through Doring and Roadkill then, of course, to even it up, Spike Dudley runs out to help Doring and Roadkill. De Niro puts a stop to Spike Dudley's running wild. It allows Easy Money to hit a tope con Hilo onto all of his team, except for Doring. Um, Doring got out of the way, but uh, Easy Money pretty much splashed his own team. Spike hits a planche out to everyone. Roadkill slams Hamrick. He hits his Vader bomb elbow drop to Hamrick, so he's taken out. Hits a power slam to Easy Money. Doring hits a big elbow drop to follow it up. Uh, we get a Lancaster Lariat from Roadkill to Easy Money, and he's out of the match. Uh, but then Julio De Niro tries a money clip to Danny Doring for a near fall. But then Easy Money comes back into the match, hits the bankroll to Doring for a two count. The crowd wants Spike Dudley, but he can't get the hot tag, which, again... Why do tags matter when rules don't? I don't know. De Niro hits his version of a vertebraker, which is just a TKO neckbreaker to Doring. Hamrick hits the stroke to Doring. Roadkill tags in. Cleans house. TKO to easy money. Dirt road slam to De Niro. Hamrick slaps Roadkill with a chair, and this allows Spike to get the hot tag. Hamrick misses an Alabama jam, but then Spike hits the acid drop. Well, it misses. Easy money catches him. Hits a power bomb. Then Roadkill hits his springboard double clothesline on Hot Commodity, which always gets a huge pop. 
Electra, who was with Hot Commodity, tries to get involved. Doring hits her with the bareback. Roadkill helps Spike hit a wheelbarrow acid drop, sort of um, like a miniature 3D almost to Hamrick. And that gets a win for the faces. And uh, yeah, what did you think of this three on three tag match? Not, not, I wasn't a big fan of any match on this card. I just, this is a really bad show. And you know it's bad if I'm saying it. Yeah, because you're you're yeah. very generous usually. Um, there's no star power in it other than Roadkill, yeah. and he is buried. Um, I mean, he yeah. he gets the win, but like Spike and Roadkill are over, okay. Uh, but then the people they're facing, Hamrick, De Niro, Easy Money, none of those people are over. So you have to have some level of stars, you know. I, I hate to say it, you don't have to have them throughout the card. But so far, on this card tonight, um, we have basically, we've had three matches, and the only two people that are over are Spike Dudley and Roadkill, and they're on the same side. Out of all these competitors, out of uh, six in this match, two in the previous one, so that's eight, and then you had four in the other one. Out of 12 people, two guys got good reactions, and they were on the same side. So... And nobody's and and even their reactions are muted, sort of, because they're not they're not massive stars, but they had potential to be. Yeah, I, you just have to. I mean, I understand like Roadkill's going to gas out really quickly. Well, just have him squash somebody. Just do that. Yeah. Just have him yeah. do his um, springboard uh, clothesline. Have him do all those big big moves that big men typically don't do to somebody and just have him squash it. Sort of like the um how they booked Sid when they had Sid. You know, he came in, he had a power bomb, he was super over, uh, and then he signed with WCW. Maybe that was the fear, is like if we put Roadkill and and have him do all this stuff, he'll just leave. So maybe that was the thinking, like, we can't feature anybody too too well because they'll leave. Even though I look at this this card and I'm thinking like none of these people got paid, <laughs> uh, that's one thing right. I have to keep remembering to myself. I have to keep reminding myself nobody here got paid basically. So all these people are working for free. So really, how hard can I be on it? But I have to look at this objectively, just like any other wrestling pay per view. So, um, yeah, um, we get a Rhino promo. And boy, they had, Paul had all his chips in the rhino basket. I brawled on the streets of Detroit. I hate brawling. New Jack, you want to get in my face. New Jack, you want to come after me. Oh, New Jack, oh, I'm going to show you how I can fight. I'm going to show you how exactly I fight. And you know what? You'll realize, just like every single person in ECW, You'll realize the only way you can beat me is to wrestle me. And you know what? Your chances are very slim. Very fucking slim! That's the only chance you have to wrestle me. New Jack, I'm done brawling. I'm gonna make you an example of what I can do and what I've done on the streets of Detroit! New Jack, I'm gonna take your face, rip it off. I'm gonna shove it down your throat. You're gonna have to shit your own face out. You're gonna have to shit your face out next time you sit on the toilet! And you know what, New Jack? You, you are my example! And then you'll see why I 
in the ECW World Television Champion. Why? People, their only chance is to wrestle me. And they won't win! They won't win! Why? Because I'm the ECW World Television Champion! Rhino. <laughs> the ECW faithful will accept new stars. You know, they will. But this is a lot like the Brock Lesnar thing that happened in WWE a couple years later. You can't bring somebody in off the street and then just push them to the moon. It's the same thing that happened to Justin Credible when he first came in. You just can't push them to the moon, have them be indestructible, and then expect the crowd to just love it. This is this is what kind of killed Rhino out of the gate is because... He's this unstoppable beast, and he's off the street. And that he, he he was their version of Goldberg. They were trying to make him Goldberg. Right. He has a spear. He's violent. He beats up women, which you would think, which actually got him cheered. That part when he beat up women got him cheered with the ECW crowd. But um, the you have to take. And, I mean, they were running out of time. I mean, Heyman didn't have a lot of time to try to make a new star because they were in panic mode. But you have to be build this slowly. It was sort of like um, Braun Strowman, who, again, that's another piece of news that we missed, got released from the WWE. But if they had brought Braun Strowman in and just immediately said, he's our guy and he's just unstoppable, people would have rejected him immediately. But what did they do? No, they brought him in. He was a part. He was one of the Rosebuds. Then he was in uh, the the Wyatt family, and then he was having squash matches with jobbers. They they built it slowly so that you accept him as a beast. That he's not just coming in and winning belts day one. And so that's the proper way to build someone like that. Imagine if the Undertaker debuted at Survivor Series and just beat. Hulk Hogan in 1990 and that was it like people would have hated that so yeah. you have to do things slowly and that's they they Paul did not do this with Rhino anyway Rhino says he hates brawling that's a lie he loves brawling and he says he's going to show New Jack how he fights okay he says that New Jack's chances of beating him are very fucking slim he says he's going to knock his face so far back he's going to have to shit it out. Wonderful. And then he grunts like a rhino. So he's supposed to be an actual rhino man. Well, he does have little arms, so he, yeah, he kind of does, does He kind of does have the body of a rhino. If he had a giant horn in the middle of his head, he would it would be better. <laughs> um Louie Dangerously, one of the former Dudleys, is out with Chris Chetty. Chris Chetty being a House of Hardcore graduate, a Taz trainee, which they wanted you to know because they wanted you to <laughs> get this guy over. Say what a, you know, anything to help this guy. Um, but his name is Chris Chetty. So, I mean, that alone is like, okay, how far can you really get? Louie dangerously thinks he and Chris Chetty can kick everyone in Chicago's ass. Well, there's only like 7,000 people there, so that's not everyone in Chicago. This isn't even in Chicago proper, I don't think. 
Chetty says, Nova, this company is not big enough for the both of us, so this is a loser leaves town match, which always holds up, as we all know. These these stipulations always hold up. Uh, Nova runs out wearing his Venom gear. Uh, he dumps Chetty out of the ring, misses a Pescado. Chetty gets busted open from brawling around the guardrails. Nova puts on a cross-faced chicken wing, but Chetty escapes, super kicks Nova, Chetty hits a leaping scissor kick after goading Nova into thinking he was injured. Chetty then decks Nova in the face with a chair while he's on the ground. Nova's now bleeding as well. Chetty hits a delayed vertical suplex for a two count. Chetty hits the Nova cane to Nova uh, for a two and a half count. Nova delivers some corner punches to Chetty. Chetty stops him with a head chair shot. Nova no-sells it, though, and stomps a mud hole into Chris Chetty. A nasty insiguri from Nova puts Chetty down for a moment. Nova hits a pedigree, but Lou E. dangerously saves Chetty by putting Chetty's foot on the ropes in ECW and causes a rope break somehow. Nova tries the third degree. He hits two pile drivers and a powerbomb, but Lou E. stops the powerbomb with his cell phone smash. Lou E. fucks up hitting Nova with a chair, so then Nova hits a top rope kryptonite crunch and Chris Chetty gets fired as Nova gets the three count. And Chris Chetty is fired forever until the next pay-per-view where we see him. Uh, what are your thoughts on this loser leaves town match? Uh, well, wait another month and everybody will be leaving town. Yeah, give it a few months and everyone's leaving town. Good point. This was a... Uh, it should the, the, the name of the last pay-per-view should have just been Everyone Leaves Town. Um... But yeah, this uh, this was something. Nova, Nova working on his uh, his roid body that he would have for the final pay per view. Uh, but I did appreciate that he wore Venom gear because you know now everyone wears superhero themed shit to the ring all the time. So he was ahead of his time here. Um. Now to our main event. The reason I picked this show, a New Jack promo. Uh, you didn't kill him before, Rhino, and he's going to open Rhino up and gut him. He's going to win the belt, and this is my favorite part. He's going to win the belt, and he doesn't give a shit about the belt. He's going to pawn it or give it to a prostitute or trade it for drugs or something. I love this. <laughs> this this should be said more often. Uh, Please put this, this clip in. <laughs> I've been waiting on this night, son. For too long. Tonight is me and you. You ain't got Justin in your corner tonight. You ain't got nobody that you can distract me so you can run up and pull that little move, throw me through a table. You see, the last few matches we had or the last few encounters we had, you drilled me. And I laid there. And I was in pain. The problem you had is you didn't kill me. And when I laid there, I started thinking, how to get him back. I brought out all my toys now. You gonna have to be in the ring with me tonight, looking at me one-on-one. And you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. Stephen King couldn't have dreamed up a better thing than this. You understand? This will be the night that I open you up like a doctor and gut you and eat your guts out like a buzzard. And then I'll take that little belt of yours. I don't want it to wear. I don't want it to show no fans. I don't want it for my kids to play with it. I got car problems right now, and I'm going to pawn that belt. 
I'm gonna go down on the strip and find a hooker and give it to her for something. I'm gonna take it to my boys in the hood and gamble with it. I'm gonna do everything you ain't supposed to do with it because I don't care about that bill. What I care about is getting your big fat butt in the ring with me and taking my staple gun and boom, right in the head and boom, in the head again. And I take this and stick it in your face and rip your wide open. Then what you gonna do? Sit there and squeal like a pig. This is your night. We gonna knuckle up, boy. We gonna knuckle up. Bring your ass to me, cause you mine. No, this was the best part. This was the best part of the whole night. Uh, the, not even oh, the yeah. match. Not no. nothing else on this show would be better than this. And just a man telling you that this belt, which I mean, New Jack was never in title pictures outside of tag belts with uh, Mustafa. Uh, he was never in singles titles. You know. Bouts. He's not that kind of wrestler. He's not a title, title belt wrestler or whatever. But I love that. Yeah, he's gonna get it and he's gonna pawn it or give it to a prostitute. Which I would love to see a prostitute that would be like, "Yeah, I will totally have sex with you for this ECW TV title." Um, that makes. Uh, I think they prefer cash or trade it for drugs. I'd like to see a drug dealer that was like, "Yeah, this will work. Here you go. Here's a bag of crack, New Jack. This is fine." Yeah, this was uh this was the main event was this promo. Uh they're not next though. Sorry. Uh first we have to get through some bullshit. Uh Flaming Tables match. The Baldies, the worst name tag team ever. I hate the Baldies. I don't care if you think they're awesome. Um, you can email me retro wrestling podcast gmail.com and tell me that the Baldies are awesome. They're called the Baldies, so they suck ass. I don't care. They could have been they could have been the Legion of Doom, but they would still suck because they have one of the worst tag team names of all time. They're gonna take on this is where this roster was in two thousand. Balls Mahoney, okay, fair enough. He was a you know a regular player. And Chili Willie, a jobber that had been working there since, like, the Eastern Championship Wrestling days. Jeez, this is what it's come to, guys. And this is a flaming tables match, so you know Chili Willie won't be going through the table because uh, he doesn't wrestle in a t-shirt. Lots of walk and brawl. Chili Willie and one of the Baldies battle to the second story. And this bums the fans out because nobody does a dive. They just walk down, brawl some more. Chili Willie gets decked with a chair that a fan handed uh, a baldy. And Willie gets slammed on the ramp. Balls Mahoney and the other baldy are bleeding and brawling. Willie gets powerbombed through two chairs on the concrete, which sucked. They finally make it back to the ring. DeBaldi set up the table. Balls Mahoney hits a nutcracker sweet. Off the top rope, then a nutcracker to Angel. Uh, Chili Willie gets a table set up. They light it on fire and Balls Mahoney power bombs Angel through it. And he is immediately put out with fire extinguishers. So the faces win and the crowd got a flaming table, which was good enough for this crowd. But to me, um, sucked. Sorry, I've seen other flaming table matches. I've seen... This was purely for for the live crowd. They just had set something on fire. So, well, the live crowd needed something because this show was rough. Yeah, the flaming table was probably the second second biggest pop of the night. The other being 
what happens in the next match was super crazy, but um, yeah, this was this was garbage. This was one of the worst tag teams ever with the Baldies, uh, with one of the worst jobbers ever with Chili Willy, and then Balls Mahoney just there because he has enough gear to send someone through a flaming table. Okay, we move on. Sinister Minister is with Tajiri. Sinister Minister runs down the card while Tajiri just stands there. They're excited because Mikey and Tajiri get a shot at the tag titles. Mikey is then shown gagged and on a flaming table of food, which was really weird. This this promo is very strange. Uh, then Joey tells us FBI attacked Sinister Minister after that and tried to cut his fingers off. Okay, that's never addressed again other than Sinister Minister I don't think shows up in the match, so I guess that was the reason to explain. Probably because he knew he wasn't getting paid, so he said, fuck this, uh, you guys are on your own. Um, here we go, this is our match. This is the match that I picked because of New Jack. Rhino, out next. TV title on the line, even though they barely have TV at this point. They'll have TV for another few weeks. Uh, um, And then, sadly, because we're watching this on either the network or Peacock or whatever, we don't get uh, Dr. Dre Natural Born Killers. We get In the Ghetto. We get In the Ghetto over and over and over again. As New Jack comes out, He's got a pacifier in his mouth and a cart full of plunder. New Jack decks Rhino with a football helmet, trash can, and then a pool cue. He strangles Rhino with a chain, then he hits him with a baking sheet. New Jack then grabs his street sign, runs off the apron, and hits Rhino in the head with it. Rhino finally pops uh, New Jack with the sign. He sets up a table in the corner. New Jack then lays a baking sheet on Rhino's nuts and hits it with a kendo stick which was sort of funny. Rhino then hits Jack with a garbage can and a clothesline for a near fall. The ref takes a trash can shot inadvertently by New Jack. Jack gets out his staple gun. A ref comes in to attack Jack, and he is the one that gets stapled in the face. You can't staple Rhino in the face. He's our project. So the ref takes the staple gun spot. Jack then throws the ref out of the ring, Rhino slams Jack but misses a splash off the top rope. Jack gets his guitar. Uh, He does a much better guitar shot than Jeff Jarrett. Slams it through Rhino's skull. And, of course, Rhino, he is a superhero. He no-sells it. So then we get the running gore, which sucks because it's I'm going to carry you as I run. He carries New Jack. Um... As a gore-like maneuver, through the table in the corner, and one, two, three, Rhino retains to absolute silence from the crowd, as they were not hot on Rhino at all. So, what did you think of uh, the reason I picked this show, this uh, our main event here? It, it, was, it was, I mean, it was probably the best match of the night. Uh, it, but even then, that's not saying much because it was a rough night all the way around. Let's be honest. It was not a, uh, it just wasn't a good card. 
Yeah, I thought this was a tough spot for New Jack to be in. Um, I realize that they want to give Rhino wins over, you know, established guys, but I think it would have been better to maybe make the main event a singles match and maybe take one of one or two of those guys out and put them somewhere else in the card. I feel like you stacked you you stacked Carino, Credible, Sandman, and Lynn. So you stacked your four like most familiar veterans, basically, all in one match. Uh, it would have been better, I think, here to Rhino have maybe beaten like. I don't know, Carino or somebody like that, you know, just that way, because I I don't know, New Jack just isn't meant for this spot. Like he's not, he, he's an opening match plunder brawl guy. He's not a guy that you say, oh, Rhino. Well, he's, he, I'm into Rhino now because he beat New Jack. He must be really tough. No, it's he's a different kind of wrestler. It doesn't count. So I just I wish that they had gone about this differently. It was cool to see New Jack get at least a title shot and that I wish that he had won the belt. So yeah, I mean since they were losing their TV deal, he should have sold it for some drugs or pawned it off. That would have been an excellent way to end hardcore TV is with New Jack. The very last scene of hardcore TV is New Jack just giving the belt away for like 30 bucks or whatever, or a, a, you know, an eight ball of Coke or whatever he wanted. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was it. That was the, that was my pick here for new Jack. So, uh, we'll move on now to the final two matches. Um, Steve Carino, uh, first we get a promo of Steve Carino. He breaks into Sandman's locker room, steals one of his beers, Jack Victory blocks the wrong door, so Sandman busts in and kicks Steve Carino's ass for taking a a, a dollar Budweiser. And then we're up to our next match, the FBI, the full-blooded Italians, Big Sal Graziano, uh, Little Guido, Tony Mamaluke, all out there facing the Unholy Alliance, Mikey Whipwreck, and Tajiri. Really sloppy exchanges from Mamaluke and Whipwreck. Whiprack, I don't know if he's coming off an injury or what here. He was not in good form. Whiprack tags into Jiri. They hit a double team Alabama slam, gut buster, then a tandem drop kick. Guido gets the tag. Jiri and Guido have a decent mat exchange before Mikey comes back in. They focus on Guido's neck. They hit a concerto to Guido, who is draped across the bottom rope. Ouch. Mama Luke and Guido trap Whiprack on the top turnbuckle, but they get a double whippersnapper for their trouble. This only gets a two count, and Big Sal gets dropped on Mama Luke as some miscommunication happens. Now Whipwreck nurses his shoulder or neck after the whippersnapper, and you can tell this is a fake injury because instead of the EMTs, it's all ECW officials coming out to strap him to a gurney and take him away. The crowd, they already know what they want, and they know what they're going to get. They want super crazy, so they chant for him. Instead, they get the FBI beating down to Jerry. Then Super Crazy does come out, cleans house, hits three moonsaults to Mama Luke, puts Mama Luke into the tree of woe. To Jerry, baseball slides into him. Guido brings a chair into the ring. The faces just beat him with it. Guido starts bleeding from his face. Mama Luke hits a belly to belly throw to Jerry. 
Sicilian slice to Tajiri for a two count from Guido. Super crazy tags in. Springboard missile drop kicks Mamaluke. Grabs Mamaluke for a power bomb. Tajiri kicks Mamaluke in the head for good measure, but this is only near fall. This is ZCW, by God. Spinning heel kick to Mamaluke. He gets launched into the crowd by Super Crazy, who goes to brawl with him. Sal jumps Super Crazy, dumps him into the crowd as well. Super Crazy then does his moonsault from the second floor to Big Sal, which the crowd goes nuts for. And of course, this is ECW, so the camera fucking misses it. The biggest spot of the night, the one thing that you needed to catch, you fucking missed it. So there you go. Uh, Super Crazy breaks his body for no reason. Tarantula to Mamaluke, but the FBI counter with a bulldog. A simple bulldog. And get the win. One, two, three. Retain the belt as Tajiri gets left alone in the ring. And there you have it. Tajiri and Super Crazy do the code of honor after the match. So even though they had bad blood before, they're friends now. And um, uh, this would be my match of the night. This was probably the most entertaining match. But even then, bad camera work. More bullshit with someone getting injured, getting replaced. More mess. Just have a... Just for once, ECW, just have a match and have it happen. That's all I'm asking for here. Just do a regular match. It won't kill you, I swear. It'll be fine. Uh, What did you think of uh, this tag team match? wasn't a good match. It's just uh, very difficult... To watch very difficult to deal with uh in in the aspects of sitting down and just i don't know for me it just drug on and on and on it no this not- this whole card was a very much a drag it was and it was a full two hours 40 minutes i mean this was a full show like this was not this was a grind in addition to all the delays from our personal life and stuff too like i i it was hard for me to get through this one. This almost ended the podcast just by itself. Uh, this is just awful. Um, Jasmine St. Clair, the porn star, who famous for her gangbangs, uh, tells people to go to the ECW website, get some juicy pics, uh, pictures there, pics of her. And then her boyfriend, uh, Blue Meanie, who was in great shape here in... Uh, 2000 is in the shower with her which i'm glad we didn't get a nude blue meanie shot or a nude them doing whatever but at the same time i did think about this a little bit not the two of them hooking up because i I, that's something i don't want to envision i don't want to envision blue meanie having any sex uh but i did think that if that if paul wanted to raise a lot of money if he wanted to raise a lot of money he had Jasmine St. Clair. She knows porn stars. They should have sold porn tapes. Uh, not necessarily... Like, not of not a Blue Meanie, but like... This was still at a time. High-speed internet wasn't totally... You know, not everybody had it. People were still paying for pornography. You have a porn star. She knows other porn stars. You don't have to have like Francine or Don Marie. You don't have to have your talent do it. But if ECW, if Paul Heyman just started selling porn tapes on the side, he could have financed the company, I think, for at least another year or two. Um, there's a huge fan base already set up. You 
you advertise on your website. You, I mean, Jasmine St. Clair's already been introduced to your audience. And even it, even if you get some wrestling chicks who like, you know, uh, Tammy Sitch, who eventually did adult films, like if you could have gotten somebody in the wrestling business, just sell tapes. You had all those you had. And I'm not saying it doesn't have to be super nasty, whatever pornography like, but you had like China and Sable, they made millions off of those playboys that they did. And here you are, ECW, with all these chicks, and every show, the crowd is always, show your tits, show your tits. That's all they want, okay? That's all they want from them. Pay them, you know, whatever. Put it out on the website. Charge people $20. You would have made a lot of money. There was a built-in fan base. And (laughs) regardless of how you feel about pornography or whatever, I'm just saying that this was a business venture that... I think they could have gotten into and at least at least people would have gotten paid for their pay-per-view appearance. So people and, have gotten paid for working. Yeah. They they might have been able to keep hardcore TV going for a little while longer. And then maybe started a different kind of hardcore TV on their website. After this blue meanie promo, for some reason, Don Callis hides a boner from this stupid promo. Don Callis, standing next to Joey Styles, watches a pre-tape promo of Blue Meanie and Jasmine St. Clair and puts a pillow over his crotch like he got erect from this. So stupid. Time for a double Jeopardy match. Two matches at the same time in the same ring, Patrick. A truly ECW idea. And an idea that the psychology here, just forget about it. Because these people are fucking stupid. Uh, they'll attack. Only Sandman can ping Carino, and vice versa. And only Ling can ping Credible, or vice versa. Then the two winners, they will face off in the final match. So why in the fuck, if you can't pin a guy, would you get involved in his match? I don't know. I'll never know. This is stupid. This is why there has never been another... Um, Double Jeopardy match or whatever ever in the history of WWE or any major promotion because this is stupid, um, especially the way they had they did it. Justin is out with Francine first, and Jerry Lynn is out next. He's the champion, by the way. Carino is out with Don Marie and Jack Victory. Okay, now here's the here's the problem that I have. Here's the problem with the whole match. Sandman doesn't come out. Okay, that's fine. Steve Carino, at that point, should have just said, fuck this, I'm going to go back to the back and wait for my opponent to show up, and if he doesn't show up, then I'm going to win by forfeit and come out for the finals. Instead, he decides to get involved with the other two people that are fighting there. So he wears himself out, he gets involved in a match that he can't win anyway. Sandman, by the way is out, you know, smoking and drinking and just taking his sweet fucking time. So, Lynn Incredible start the match while Carino, originally he does hang out in the corner. He is smart at first, but then he just forgets about it, and then he starts chipping in for some reason. He delivers a bionic elbow to Lynn, then we get RVD chance. Uh, sorry, guys, wait for the next pay-per-view. Yeah, so the beginning of this was fucking stupid, and... 
Steve Carino is a fucking idiot. Uh, and anyway, Carino and Credible put the boots to Lynn. I guess it's smart strategy to help take out the champ here, but still, Carino has no business doing this. Don Callis even, when I'm screaming about it and the announcers are screaming about it, at least I know that I'm right. Don Callis just keeps screaming about Carino for being stupid by doing this. Sandman, finally, here, 15 minutes into the match, I guess he realized he wasn't getting paid tonight. He's like, you know what, I guess I'll come out. He makes his entrance, and of course, he needs to play the entire Enter Sandman theme, which is dubbed over on Peacock or the network. And fuck... Uh, if you, uh, I fast forward through Undertaker entrances. This is twice an Undertaker entrance. Get to the fucking ring already. And also, also, sir, you, I, I realize you're the Sandman and you drink and you smoke and you're cool and you don't give a fuck or whatever. Get in fucking shape. He is in terrible shape and he is your main event. He is your main event and would be your second to last ECW champion, which he was in better shape for the final show that we reviewed a few weeks ago. But my God, the beer belly on this man, it looks like he was carrying a baby to the ring. Uh, He comes in finally, canes Lynn in the shoulder before drinking a beer. Carino takes a cane to the face, as does Jack Victory. So this asshole, this asshole Sandman that was late to the fucking party comes in and gets the, the shine. Fuck this. Fuck this booking. Not necessarily Sandman. I don't really... It's not a personal against Sandman. It's just how this was booked. It was stupid. Carino. Then everyone starts pummeling Sandman. Lynn hits a tornado DDT to Carino, and Lynn is the last man standing. Sandman hits a guillotine leg drop on Carino, who is draped over a guardrail, which was impressive because Sandman was terribly out of shape and, and did this move. Sandman goes and find a, finds a ladder, despite this not being a ladder match, while Credible and Lynn fight in the ring. Carino takes a bump off the ladder in the corner after Sandman flings it into him. Then he sends Credible and Lynn into it as well. Fuck him up. Sandman chances he was still over with the crowd, despite being out of shape. Sandman suplexes Carino onto the ladder for a near fall. Sandman slingshot somersault sentons onto a ladder, mounted on Carino for another two count. Everyone's bleeding just profusely. Bulldog to Credible from Sandman onto the ladder. Carino takes a guardrail, puts it between two chairs in the ring. But this is his own doom as he gets suplexed through it by Sandman. Sandman, though, by doing this, hits his own back of the head against the guardrail, so more damage done to himself rather than Carino. Lynn tries a tombstone. It gets reversed, but then Lynn reverses again and hits it to... uh, just incredible. Francine breaks the cover. Don Marie and Francine, they look like they're going to have a cat fight, but Carino stops it to booze from the crowd. So, of all those ECW tropes that they do all the time, the cat fight, the uh, Gertner tackle, all this other stuff, the one thing they decided to shake up tonight got booed. So... Maybe, what do I know? Maybe the crowd likes all all the same shit all the time because this cat fight got stopped and it got booed. Credible and Carino super kick Lynn. That's incredible. Gets hit to Lynn and Carino Carino lands old school expulsion. And so Lynn and Sandman get pinned at the same time to booze (laughs) because this crowd 
Love Sandman, and obviously Jerry Lynn is probably the best wrestler on the on the roster. And you eliminate both of them at, right off the bat. Great. So now it comes down to two fucking heels that the crowd hates. Great. Uh, Just Incredible and Steve Carino, new champ guaranteed, bullshit chants from the crowd. Always wonderful in your main event to have the crowd chanting bullshit uh, for your big finish. Big rights from Carino, followed by some lefts, bionic elbow as Carino really wanted to remind you he beat Dusty Rhodes. Elbow dropped, Incredible gets a two count. Lynn attacks Carino on the outside, rolls him into the ring. Victory hands Carino a table, he sets it up in the ring. Chop battle. Eventually, Credible low blows Carino to stop it. Snap suplex from Carino to Credible through the table. Francine comes in and gets a super kick from Carino. The old school expulsion gets a two count for Carino. Credible super kicks Carino for a two count. Then the big finish. He grabs a kendo stick, hits Carino, but Carino gets low blowed by Don Marie. Jack Victory gets in, gets low blowed as well. Credible then fucks Carino up with the kendo stick. Just an absolute nasty fucking I hate you kendo stick shot. But a super kick puts him down from Carino as Carino no-sells it. And Carino is your new ECW champion. Your third to last ECW champion. Wow. Okay. Um, This match was complicated It's psychology made no sense. You eliminated the two fan favorites. You left them with just incredible who they had been working to get the crowd behind for years. It still wasn't working. You left him in there with Carino who beat dusty. So you left the two heels in there to fight. You canceled the cat fight. You had no Sandman showed up late. Everything was I just, this is fucking stupid. Everything about this. Um, there were some good spots in it, but it was all, it was all forgotten about by me because I just couldn't get over the booking of this match and how it was laid out and everything else. So a big thumbs down on this main event from, from me. What did you think of the main event here? Thumbs down. I agree. Do you have any suggestions on how they could have fixed this? Um, yeah, save some fucking money and get some better people. (laughs) Man, this was real bad. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't. I don't know how to try and save this because you had lost so much already that there was no coming back from it. Really, you lost so much of your star quality, so much of your star power. Yeah, you lost uh, your TNN deal. I mean. I mean, you just, you, you can't, you can't keep bleeding out. You've got to, in some way. Yeah. You like, yeah. you, you lost, you lost people like Mike Awesome. You don't have uh, Tanaka. You don't have Taz. You don't have uh, Sabu. You don't have all these people that established the brand, which look, that's fine. But it happened to them so fast and so often that they didn't have time to build stars properly. And then so you t- take a guy like Rhino and you try to rocket him to the moon and the crowd rejects him. 
because that's not what they want. And then you take these four guys are probably the top. I mean, they are the top. They're the main event. They are the most recognizable names left in the company. And instead of spreading them out throughout the card in different feuds, you put them all, you stack them all here. And so I think it would have been better to put Sandman in a match with, with, I don't know, with Rhino or something like that. Spread Spread what you've got out through the show. Have Nova take on Jerry Lynn. I don't know. Uh, you know, have something different instead of you don't have the roster to do a fatal four way. Basically, I know this was a double jeopardy match, but when you're the WWE and you have 300 wrestlers, you can do a fatal four way. But when you're ECW in 2000, you're about to go out of business and you have 25 wrestlers and you're going to burn four of them here. That's just bad booking. That's just bad a bad decision. And you're and you're trying to build you're trying to build something new. You're trying to save the company, but yet you're not the new talent is working with other new talent. And the old talent is working with the old talent. So as much as Paul Heyman likes to shit on WCW, and we all like to shit on WCW for having the old guard, it was always, you know, Flair and Hogan and Sting and those guys at the top or whatever, that's essentially a version of what they did here. They had the old guard, What, even though the old guard wasn't that old outside of Sandman, you had the old, old guard at the top. And then the rest of the outside of New Jack in that TV title match, you had a bunch of new slash unknowns wrestling each other. And that's not going to get you a lot of good results. Unless they're outstanding in-ring performers, like if you if you if you had somebody with the talent of an Eddie Guerrero or Chris Benoit in there, but you didn't have that, so this was just bad. And I'm sorry I picked it, but I picked it in honor of New Jack. So, and for his part, he did his part. He, yeah, he did the best that he could. Yeah, he was told to go out there and lose. Uh, he didn't look. You know, honestly, he didn't look too bad. Like, I mean, he wasn't going to let Rhino make him look awful. So it wasn't like Rhino, you know, made him bleed or anything. He took a a table shot and he gave a really kick-ass promo before that. So he did his part. And, uh, you know, like I said, nobody probably got paid for this fucking thing. So why can I... it's hard to really complain when you know that all their checks fucking bounced. So, um, yeah, but that's what, that's what we do on this show. That's what we do is, is I try to compare it to, you know, other things I've seen and try to just relate it to other wrestling pay-per-views and, um, yeah. So, well, we go to our rating scale now. Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. Uh, where do you stack ECW November to Remember 2000? Oh, this is a Hornswoggle. Yeah, I think I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go Max Mini, uh, which I think he's a little... he Maybe he's shorter than Hornswoggle. We might have this... I might have to check some stats, but I'm going to go Max Mini. Uh, in honor of Max Mini uh, debuting at Ground Zero 97 
uh, which I reviewed for Del Wilkes. So I'll pick Max Mini as this show is awful. I don't even know how a hardcore diehard I love ECW fan, and you could tell because this Chicago crowd, typically ECW crowds are super hot. This crowd was cold. So I'm not alone. Even the people that paid to be there, which typically go ape shit for stupid stuff that I don't like, even they were not feeling this one. So Yeah. All right, Patrick. Well, when we get together next time, whenever that may be, what do you have in store for us on the Retro Wrestling Podcast? What was that you were saying that when Orndorf when they brought Orndorf back? What you were saying earlier? Oh, the old age outlaws. That was an episode of Nitro from two thousand. In two thousand? Yeah, yeah. You you really you want to follow this with a two thousand nitro? Awesome. Uh, I I'm in. I want to uh, find. I want to because I don't remember this. Oh, you don't remember I, this? I do not. I want to see this. I believe it's the nitro from January tenth, two thousand, from Buffalo, New York. So our next review will be. WCW Nitro from January of 2000, the 10th. Okay, so a week before the last uh, hurrah of the Radicals, this is the direction that they were going here. Um, Terry Funk introduced Arn Anderson, Larry Zbysko, and Paul Orndorff, the old age outlaws. I'm going to be great. Yeah, th- this uh, is going to be shit, so thank you for... This is God. Come on, this will be great. Yeah, I think Nitro was two hours by then, so at least thank you for that. Yeah, it's an hour thirty-five. Okay, well, that'll be next time on the Retro Wrestling Podcast. You can find us at Retro W uh, Podcast on Twitter, and uh, you can find you Ref Patrick Young on Twitter. And that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always. My clothes lines, my clothes lines. And bingo, bingo.